all you lovely traumatized humans. It is Wednesday, March 31st. Tomorrow's April. Holy fuck. Um, this is, I just realized is going to drop on April, but it's not an April Fool's joke. I'm kind of too old and too tired for that. Like who's got time to think of an elaborate prank, you know? I mean, stop. <laughs> Don't put that pressure on me. My most elaborate prank ever was I, um, I made like fake throw up out of like frosting. And I mean, I put all the food coloring in it to make it brown and chunky. And I added like croutons. And then I pretended that my dog threw up and my mom got kind of mad. And that was it. <laughs> that was my most elaborate April Fool's Day prank. Um, but today I'm going to give you a little excerpt from my next writing project. I've been writing kind of a lot actually about – I have too many pages to count. We'll just say it that way. Um, and I'm writing kind of like a book about my, my, my life, my childhood, my running and stepping into and out of an eating disorder, um, my journey through a relationship in, in the midst of all that as well. And kind of the, um, you know, like the childhood traumas that influenced my eating disorder and everything like that. And I think it's, um, important for two reasons. One, because I think a lot of people suffer from eating disorders and don't talk about it. I never talked about it. And two, because I'm so far past it, I can be pretty objective about it. And my eating disorder coincided with running. And I feel like a lot of people give up the thing that coincides with their eating disorder. But I didn't give up running. I'm still running and I love it just as much as ever. Um, and I'm better because I'm stronger <laughs> and well-fed. So um, I think that that's an important takeaway as well. Um, also breaking off a relationship with a fiance. I think that that could be relevant for lots of people to hear. So I think my, my story has a lot of interesting parts in it. Um, and I'm trying to make it not boring. You know, I'm trying to cut out the boring bits right now. But this is an excerpt from it. Um, this is kind of towards the beginning when I'm trying to like set the stage for the story. The story of my eating disorder is not especially unique. I began dieting when I was young. The earliest I can rem remember engaging in disordered behaviors is around age 10. I would write lists of things I could and could not do or eat that would look something like this. No sweets, no bread. Do 10 push-ups before bed. Weigh myself daily. Don't eat too late. Don't eat too much. If you eat too much, work out. Lose 10 pounds by August, etc. My lists were pretty arbitrary and... Um, I didn't really know how I would lose 10 pounds by August and I was growing. I shouldn't lose 10 pounds by August, but um, that was kind of my, my biggest fear, I guess, was to be fat. Eventually, this behavior spiraled into more egregious stuff like denying myself food for entire days, constantly weighing myself or checking my stomach in the mirror obsessively. I began cutting out food groups from my diet until the only safe foods were raw vegetables, beans, and fruits. Once I was plopped into the cutthroat world of Division I athletics, I doubled down my efforts, purging when I thought I ate too much and binging out of control when my body finally rebelled for all the starving I'd put it through. I learned to isolate myself just enough so friends wouldn't feel comfortable bringing up my strange behaviors. I learned to drink coffee and power through homework ex assignments, excite, uh, exhausted and depleted by the time I'd turn them in. I learned to smile and laugh and make small talk so nobody could see, or so I thought, the demons swirling around in my body and brain. By the time I reached my tipping point, my body was broken. I suffered a hip injury that took me away from running for months. My mind was broken too. Instead of focusing on rehabbing my hip, I doubled down on my eating disorder, feeling my body shrink and flatten. I loved that feeling. My clothes became loose and my obsession with the number on the scale each morning intensified. I was a walking shell of a human and the deep ferocious pain I endured was hidden from the rest of the world. 
Many people silently suffer, and you, yes you, reading this, never know how badly someone might be hurting, what pain they endure. When I set out to tell my story, I thought my eating disorder would color most of the pages. It won't, though, because I am more than my eating disorder. We are all more than meets the eye and have so much to offer each other if we open ourselves up to whatever is being offered. Eating disorders have two effects on those they hurt. They kill us or they make us stronger. Many of life's biggest challenges do just that, kill us, either literally or metaphorically, or make us stronger. Those are often the only two choices we have. We can either thicken our skin, bite the bullet, and decide that life matters more than anything else, decide that whatever it is we want most is worth fighting for, realize that nobody can decide for us what that is, stop looking for answers where answers don't live in other people, on the internet, in the pages of books written by somebody else. Often, the answers to our deepest questions lie in us and only in us. It was up to me to uncover my will to live, my desire to have real control over my life, not just the illusion of control my eating disorder granted me. Mental illnesses are tricky because they can't be seen. Usually, they are difficult to control or resolve. They're not like broken limbs that require a few months of casting and strengthening to heal. Our brains require constant, continuous stimulation. The messages we give ourselves matter, which is why doing hard things matters. I learned the value of doing hard things when I was young, when I was swimming through a world that didn't inherently value hard things. Why get up early and run in pouring rain when I didn't need to, when there is a chance of sun later, when there is no one telling me to run or any tangible reward for doing so. The answer is that if I did get up early before everyone else was awake and put in the time and effort to do something hard, I felt proud. I felt more confident. And I proved to myself over and over that I can, in fact, do hard things. Pushing the limits of the self is something great people do. If you don't want or care to be great, then you might never push your limits. My eating disorder was twisted because it gave me the chance to push my limits while I was sick. How long can I go without eating? How far can I run? How fast before my body collapses and my muscles begin to fail? How many hours can I hold off until I eat this orange or drink my coffee? How many hours can I sleep through the hunger pains? Um, I used to idolize Ernest Hemingway. He was a brilliant writer, a standout, a drunk, (laughs) haunted, and beautiful. And now he's alive in the collective imagination of readers who never saw his dark moments but bask in his written successes. Hemingway once said, write hard and clear about what hurts. And I try to do just that. Write hard and clear about my own specific pains. Give a voice to them. Air them out in the hopes that they will dissipate on the wind. But pains are not often specific. The pains are just a byproduct of life that can't be buried in a landmine or burned or drowned. Life is painful. Nearly everything we do or love can cause us pain. And that realization holds me by the throat, suffocates me a bit. The cruel, unstated truth of my eating disorder is that it stole my desire to live, to be joyful to nourish and take care of myself. As I grew from adolescent to young adult, I was thrust into a world that illuminated another truth we almost learn at some time, that we must take care of ourselves. My emotional, physical, mental, spiritual, financial needs needed to be met by me and only me. My eating disorder helped me cope with the stress of newfound self-reliance while simultaneously rendering me weak. Our bodies aren't meant to be weak. As I slowly starve myself, I watch my body shrink as if I were separate from it, as if my body were a ghost and the real me was floating far above it, watching it with a mixture of curiosity and satisfaction. I loved how tiny I felt, how I could feel the sharpness of each rib bone, the decreasing number on the scale each morning. I loved how loose my clothing fit, how my breasts disappeared, how my collarbone jutted, how the mother of one of my classmates ran into my mother and I in the paper goods aisle of the local Walmart and exclaimed, you're so tiny. Tell me your secrets. 
My secrets, I wanted to tell her, involved not eating for days only to binge and purge out of shame. My secret was social isolation, so nobody could see how I starved. My secret was my self-discipline, my ability to push myself farther than I'd ever pushed myself before. This mentality worked in racing and in starving. Just another mile, just a little faster, just another hour, just a little less. Um, If you or someone you know is suffering from an aging disorder, you can call the NIDA helpline. Just go to NIDA.com. You can um, find therapists online. Um, But the most important thing I would say is just tell someone. Tell anyone. The first person I told was my boyfriend and then a therapist. And I didn't talk about it with anyone else for a very long time. But often the the first and most difficult thing is just to say out loud that you have a problem and you need help. So much love to all of you. I'm going to stop talking now. Have a lovely, lovely day.